Hello and welcome to The Specialist. I'm delighted to say that after the resounding success of our first two series, they've asked me back to record another. I'm Rob Barnard and in this third podcast series we'll be talking to mortgage industry thought leaders who aren't afraid to address pressing issues happening in the here and now. Over the course of this series, we will explore real-world affairs that are in need of their bold new ideas and expertise. Ideas that simply cut through the financial jargon and offer real-world specialist solutions for everyday people in the mortgage industry. That's specialist ideas from specialist experts for you to tune into at home or on the go. Hello and welcome to The Specialist. I'm your host, Rob Barnard, and in this episode I'll be again talking with Richard Spinks, Pepper Money's Chief Commercial Officer. They say that time flies when you're having fun, and that was certainly the case as Richard and I simply ran out of time recording our last episode. So what else could I do but invite him back to continue the chat? In the last episode, we touched on the changing shape of the specialist market, findings of Pepper Money's latest specialist lending study, and the current opportunities for brokers in these challenging economic times. Today, we'll be continuing some of those themes, but also looking at the current challenges surrounding service, the second charge market, affordability, and so much more. We may even get to find out what Richard's asked Santa for. Richard, thanks so much for coming back for round two. Thanks for having me back, Rob. So... 2023 has certainly been a challenging year in the UK mortgage market for brokers, customers and lenders alike. How's the year been for Pepper? I think like much of the market, we've faced the challenges of short notice rate changes, managing our reputation and balancing the expectations of brokers and distribution partners, as well as maintaining excellent service. We've continued to build on our reputation as a leader in the specialist market with enhancements to our proposition, both first and second charges. You, of course, released your second series and now are recording your third series of the Specialist Podcast. And, of course, we've recently released the uh, latest edition of the Specialist Lending Study. Yeah, it's been, a, it's been a challenging year. I mean, as you know, I spend a lot of time on the road at events, speaking and presenting at events. And I think probably sort of back end of September, October last year, the number of people that were actually at these events was lower than it's ever been because people couldn't leave their offices for fear of a, missing a product pull. Obviously, this year... Funding has been a challenge in the UK mortgage market. And I always think at the specialist space, you've probably got three sort of funding approaches. You've got the banks, you've got the specialist lenders that are owned or funded by banks, and you've got people that maybe rely more on the securitisation market. How have Pepper fared? I've got a very strong team. We kept our eye on the market. We've been watching swap rates. Unfortunately, this year, you know, we've had to pass on rate increases, but we've tried to be fair about that. We've tried to uh, give brokers time to submit a dip and time to get the application in. Um... We're now in a falling rate environment and we're trying to pass on those falling rates as quickly, frankly, as we uh, as we had to pass on the increases. No, that's good. I think that's really important. And I think it's just, just always sort of about understanding the customer, isn't it, I think, which is key. I mean, you mentioned service there as, as we opened the, this episode. I, I think there's a myth in the market that by using a specialist lender, you maybe have to somehow accept second-rate service, and that's just absolutely not true. For, for those of you that don't know out there, I, I was at Pepper with Richard. We joined on the same day in 2016 and, and sort of has stayed around for three years, and then I thought the grass was greener, so I went off and found out that it wasn't, and I came back. And, and the one thing that I noticed more than anything that had improved in the couple of years I was away is service. And I think it's important that lenders can differentiate on service. And how do we do that? Simply do what you say you're going to do. Don't overpromise. Don't promise and not deliver. Promise, deliver. I see our relationships with brokers and distribution and customers as partnerships. None of us can really thrive without the others. And so I try to approach our proposition at the widest level in that way. We give direct access to underwriters. 
we allow what we hope is enough time for brokers to get dips and applications to us when we need to to do product withdrawals. So we issue withdrawal comms around that. And there has been much debate about this in the market. There are a number of risks that need to be managed for us from rapidly rising swap rates, making products unprofitable overnight, to protecting our reputation and helping protect that of our partners. Constantly challenge criteria and process. We do this all the time. If something isn't adding value, then why continue doing it? We like to consider this from an external perspective. So we're constantly talking to brokers and customers about how the process felt to them. Trustpilot reviews don't lie. We've almost a thousand reviews. We have a 4.7 out of five rating and 89% of all reviews rate us as excellent. But we don't ever stop. I have a whole team whose job are about making things easier wherever possible. And I, I see that on a daily basis. I mean, your team that, that sort of looks after delivery, they're just, they chase us. They chase sales, which is phenomenal, about looking for ways that they can sort of streamline service. Honestly, no no joke. I, I The events I'm at all year, the constant theme is, I've used you and what you've just said is true. And I think that's really, really rewarding. I mean, things do seem to be settling down just a little bit. Uh, the Bank of England finally have broken their sort of cycle of 14 increases in Bank of England base rates. So I think rates are are slowly starting to come down but I think we're going to settle at higher rates than we've been used to and the cost of living crisis is a, is a problem residential affordability I think is is increasingly difficult what are Pepper doing to help sort of combat these challenges and do you see this issue improving anytime soon Rich? I think in a falling rate environment I would hope that things are going to get a little bit easier for customers affordability is definitely a big challenge at the moment but for self-employed we use the latest year's accounts We've had a pandemic, self-employed were hit quite hard through that. Some people had to stop trading. So using the latest accounts when you know things have improved, I think is important. We've recently introduced additional amounts of variable income we're prepared to accept and use when assessing affordability. And we've taken the same sensible approach to assessing affordability as we always have. Yes, there have been some adjustments due to inflation and rising energy costs. But the important thing, we're here to help customers in the same way we always have. Some of our customers may have had previous credit issues, but we operate today in the way we always have done. We don't lend to people who are experiencing current credit problems, but we, where we can see a track record of improvement since a previous credit incident, we're prepared to help. And I think that's the key to specialist lending. This isn't last chance saloon, is it? This is people that have recognised they have a challenge. They've done something about it and we just help them on their next step of rehabilitation. 80% of self-employed people say that self-employment makes it more difficult for them to get a mortgage. Scary fact. I'm not sure we believe that at Pepper. Uh, we try and make it easy for them to, to get a mortgage. Nearly half of self-employed people say their income has increased in the last year. So back to the previous point of using the latest year. And nearly 6 million people who responded to our specialist lending study said they've taken on additional work as wow. a result of the cost of living crisis. And that can be like part-time jobs, can't it? It can be part-time self-employment and things like that, that, that we've seen a big shift in. There's also the mortgage charter. So whilst we haven't signed up to it, um, we're able to offer all of the same support. So we're committed to delivering the charter without signing up to it. And isn't that always been the case, really? I mean, a lot of the things that the charter suggested that lenders should look at, I, I think we've probably already done them. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that we changed was we didn't previously offer product transfers. That was always on our plan. Um, so we were able to offer product transfers, which is part of the charter. We brought that in uh, earlier this year. And what's more, we've a range of support options. So the message of contact your lender, talk to your lender, those messages are important. That people should do that as soon as possible. 
So you, you touched on PTs there, um, and and you you mentioned that that Pepper have just launched a PT proposition. How come it's taken seven years to do so, and why have we recently changed? It can't just have been about the charter. Is it just a sensible approach? It is a sensible approach. I think in the current cost of living crisis, PTs are an important option for our customers. But the reality is, as a specialist lender who is prepared to look at applicants who have had previous credit problems, we see ourselves as a credit repair lender. Um, We don't expect people to stay with us for the life of their mortgage. We expect them to repair their credit and make their way back to the high street. Having said that, we recognise for some customers it takes slightly longer. It does. I mean, I, I, um, I sort of a uh, little bit sort of shock and awe tactic. I was asked that on a panel fairly recently about PTs, and he said, "Have you got a PT offer?" I said, "We have, but I never want you to use it." And the audience went, "What's he on about?" But, but and it just comes back to your point there. When I say I don't want you to use it, we've got it if you need to use it, which is really important. But I, but I believe exactly what you've said there. If a if a customer comes to us as a specialist lender at a time that they need help, we give them that help at that that time. All we want from them in in return for that is them to sort of maintain all the credit agreements and and, and sort of make sure that the mortgage commitments are, are paid. So realistically, instead of using a PT at the end of a two or a five year period, they should be going back to the high street. So when brokers say we don't get as much for a PT, you can use a specialist lender to clean them up and get them back on the high street and get your full prop fee. So don't have to PT it. That's right, Rob. Just a little bit confrontational, but I think that's really important. Um, so following on from that, in recent months, some have speculated that remortgage volume actually is is lower than expected, which could be due, of course, to things that we've outlined, customers opting for PTs instead. But when you consider consumer debt levels are continuing to grow, do, do you believe this might see, Rich, an, an opportunity of growth in the second charge sector? I think there's a massive opportunity in the second charge market. I think that product has come into its own in this environment. One in three people said they would consider using a second charge mortgage to consolidate debts if it reduced their monthly credit bill. Yet 50% of customers have not heard of a specialist mortgage lender. There's a big opportunity here for brokers in the industry to raise awareness and understanding of this sector. Pepper worked with all major second charge brokers, many of whom who offer referral opportunities for brokers who aren't close to the second charge process or products. These brokers will work to help find solutions in this scenario. I, I think the second charge sector is, is going to grow. Because if, if you look at it, there are so many millions of people out there that have still got very, very skinny five-year fixed rates with four and a bit years to go on them. They then get a blip or they want to sort of raise more money. What's the point of shifting that whole fixed rate at one point diddly onto a specialist rate when they can just look at a second charge? I think the key thing, again, is speaking to the right people, isn't it? Um, I mean, we've, we've spent, I think, the last few years in a bit of a bubble of very low interest rates across the industry, really. Now that bubble's burst and rates are higher, do you see, Richard, rates dropping much more over the course of the next year or 18 months? And what are Pepper actually doing to help customers who will be negatively affected by these higher rates? I think rates may fall off a little bit, but the reality is this is more of a normal rate environment than it was previously. I agree. I agree fully. I mean, I, I've seen a couple of presentations recently from the from representatives from the Bank of England who sort of paint that picture that, as, as I said previously, I mean, we've they've just broken that cycle, haven't they, of 14 continuous and consecutive rate rises. And I think that's now started to stabilise. They don't know what's going to happen. Things can be affected, like the, the, the conflict in Gaza and the Ukraine war, which continues to rage. But I think they're sort of seeing that maybe rates would stay roughly stable for the next sort of six months or so. And maybe in quarter three next year, we might see a bit of a fall away. And how quickly and how far they'll come down will be... Uh, 
will be yet to see. But I think the rates of the 1% fixed rate I've just touched on, I think they've gone for quite some time. I think they have. And, you know, if we look at Pepper customers who are on our balance sheet that we've written over the past few years, those people will have been paying a 4 or 5% rate with us. Um, so actually, that remortgaging to the high street is still worthwhile because they will achieve the same rate, a 4 or 5% rate when they get to the high street. Yeah, I mean, and I think there are so many people still coming off sort of two-year, five-year fixes over the next six or 12 months will be fi- finding an increase in their rates. I mean, I've just done, I've got a mortgage with my daughter and my mortgage has just gone up by 300 quid because the two-year fixes come off. I mean, we, we touched on it in our first episode when we were at Verso about buy-to-let being a, being a big big part of the specialist and I think that's one area of the market that's probably had more challenges than many others over the last sort of 12 to 18 months and Pepper we pulled out probably September of last year is it pull out forever or is it just watching brief to see when we come back in it's a watching brief we're always reviewing ways we can better serve brokers and customers through the development of our proposition and this will continue to be the case our exit from buy to let was one where we couldn't really see a sensible returns profile Rates had got to the point where they were just a little too low for us and, and we couldn't make that work. But we believe in the buy-to-let market, we continually assess it, and when we can see a sensible returns profile for us, we'll re-enter the buy-to-let that's, market, I'm that's, sure. That's great to hear. And that's the message I've been giving brokers when they say, you've pulled out a buy-to-let, is it forever? No, we'll come back. we just got to do it when we can do it right. And I suppose if you look at that, the, the leverage and sort of ICRs and things like that have been a massive challenge. And what we're seeing is sort of innovation, if you want to call it that, by the, by the chunky fees. So I think that's probably a market that we probably want to stay clear of just until we're in a position to do it. I mean, if, if you turn the clock back 12 months, two things were on largely on brokers' agendas before the cost of living crisis really bit. And that was green, which I think is still with us quite rightly, even though maybe it's just been sort of kicked down the road slightly. But another thing that brokers were talking about is consumer duty. And it's been a hot topic probably for the last sort of 12 months. What changes have have you made as a lender to meet the new standards required? We've made uh, a number of changes. I think we were already in a pretty good position. That said, we worked hard to make sure we had a complete range of metrics that we could use to demonstrate that fact. One change we did implement was another telephone conversation with the customer. We figured out that from a customer understanding perspective, the offer and some of the legal jargon in there was complicated to understand. It's not easy to make legal documents more easy to read. Uh, So we implemented a telephone call with the customer after the offer has been issued, which its only purpose is is to see whether they understand the offer and whether they've got any questions. And if there are any questions that come, what do we do with that? Do we point them back to the broker to sort of just say, go and have a look at that and just explain it again? If it's about the product, then the broker is definitely the best person to talk through the pros and cons of the product. If it's the offer itself and the legal documentation, then our specialists will definitely talk the customer through that. I think I think the broker is, is sort of key in all of this. I mean, in, in the current climate, it's important that brokers, I think, find time to probably work on their own businesses, not just in them. So actually step back a little bit and have a look at the businesses. Where do you think that they should actually focus their attention? It's probably not for me to tell brokers anything. Uh, I've never run a brokerage. I, I'm probably not best placed to, to answer that. But what I would say is there's a lot of customer information in our recently launched specialist lending study. And we have some great tools available on our website covering areas like contact strategies and marketing. Plus, we have a very supportive field sales team. Thank you. So (laughs) brokers should feel free to reach out um, because they can definitely help. Yeah, I always talk about that and I challenge 
challenge brokers a little bit to say, look, just if you if you're that busy, you've not got that much time to see many BDMs. Just have a look at who you see. And um, I would say you shouldn't be letting anybody through your door that's not going to help you write more business. And I think that's specialist lenders all over there. We we touched on right at the beginning of this episode. We looked at funding and and the challenges and and the mainstream lenders and the banks. Obviously, are they are they sort of looking to sort of move more into the to the specialist space? Do you think we'll see more of that over the coming years? I think we might. I mean, you and I have been in this market for for long enough to know Far that we long. we see lenders come and go from the mainstream arena into specialist. What is challenging, I think, to take a mainstream operation and make it specialist, which means building separate teams, which can then start to become a scale question, I think, for many mainstream lenders. Alternatively, we've seen the acquisition of specialist businesses by retail banks, where the scale question is already answered, considering these businesses already have a market share and a proven scaled operation. Christmas is coming. If you were sort of running... I mean, I feel like you do run the country, really. But if you were running the country for a day, what Christmas presents would you like to drop in brokers' stockings? I think based on 2023 and the last 12 months, I'd bring a more stable market. The last few years have been tough for many of us, lurching from the pandemic and all its associated changes we had to make to our businesses and our personal lives to a cost of living crisis combined with a rising interest rate environment. I'm very hopeful for 2024. When I contrast where we are now versus where we were following the mini budget last year, uh, I think the market is in a much better place. And hopefully with slowly falling rates and fingers crossed inflation under control, we'll see consumer confidence start to return early in the new year. So just conscious of time, um, the end of the year is fast approaching. Christmas ads are all over the telly and London is bedecked with millions of twinkling, sparkling lights. What have you asked Santa for this year, Rich? So we're starting Christmas early this year with a trip to the Christmas markets in Vienna. And after a relatively quiet Christmas with family, eating, drinking too much, of course, uh, we have a small place in North Wales that we're heading to after Christmas to spend New Year with. As for what I might have put on Santa's list... Health and happiness, I think, for my family, uh, considering 2023 has been a, a pretty rough year for my parents. I mean, that just shows how we're different. You're starting with a visit to the Christmas markets in Vienna. I'm taking my wife to Manchester. Uh, but every bit is good. The, the bratwursts are lovely. So come on, finish it off with a bit of bit of fun. What's your favourite Christmas cracker joke? I'm not sure that I could think of one that you wouldn't know the answer to. <laughs> So here we go. So how does Good King Wenceslas like his pizza? I don't know. How does Good King Wenceslas like his pizza, Richard? One that's deep, pan, crisp and even. <laughs> We're here all week. Stick to running a specialist lender is all I say. Richard, thanks again for taking time out of your busy day to talk with us. The market is certainly challenging for customers, brokers and indeed lenders alike at present. But it's also good to hear that there are so many opportunities for all of us. Affordability is certainly a key challenge at present, and with 80% of the self-employed suggesting it's harder to get a mortgage simply due to their self-employed status. And it's great to hear that the solutions available from Pepper and indeed many other specialist lenders. Service is key, and I think we've managed to dispel the myth that along with specialist lenders comes second-class service. That's simply not the case. If you have an opportunity to speak directly with a decision-maker, then I urge you all to do it. It'll be the best conversation that you have throughout the whole mortgage application process. It's enlightening to hear how the second charge market could certainly grow over the coming months and years. Today, it's as easy to place second charge business as it is first charge business. And this approach offers so many great solutions. Just make sure that you work with specialists in the sector. They'll help you every step of the way. 
Thanks for listening. And don't forget, if you enjoyed the content today, then let us know on our social using our hashtag, hashtag Pepper Specialist Podcast. And of course, hit follow to get notified when our next episode releases. Thanks, Richard. And of course, a big thank you also goes out to you, our listeners. This has been The Specialist, episode two of the third series brought to you by Pepper Money. If you love the content today, then do let us know on socials using our hashtag, hashtag Pepper Specialist Podcast. And of course, hit follow to get notified when our next episode releases. Music